All right, one of the cool things about a lighthouse is you don't ever have to worry about whether he's going to be faithful because he's not moving no matter what storms come, no matter what else takes place. It is constant uh, regardless. In the same way, we are called to be immovable in our faith. We are called to be faithful to our God and to the calling that God has placed on our lives. And this is the fruit that I want us to look at today. Of course, you guys know we've been in a series and we've been looking through Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And we have uh, specifically been connecting the idea of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives to the fact that that ought to equip us for evangelism. Uh, when we become spirit-filled, there are certain things we ought to automatically do. It's not something that you turn on and off. It's not as if you can be a follower of Christ today and be his witness today and then tomorrow decide not to. When you are filled with the Spirit, it constantly flows out of you. You love people different than what you did without the Spirit. You have a joy that perhaps you didn't have without the Spirit. You have a peace that passes all understanding that only the Spirit of God can give. There are all these different gifts that God gives to us with the presence of his Holy Spirit. And as we've been looking, understand that this is not reserved for just a few, but rather for all those who would call themselves children of God. The passage this morning, I'm going to read it to you. It's the same one we've been looking, but it's Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. And it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience or long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. We've seen already that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And today, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. In preparation for today's message, I looked at individuals throughout Scripture who showed great faith and faithfulness. Of course, some of those individuals included people like Abraham or Noah or Moses. By the way, each of those are individuals that when you think about what they did and what they had to endure, faithfulness has to be at the top of their attributes. Uh, Noah was a man who he preached repentance. He knew that God's judgment and wrath was coming and nobody wanted anything to do with it. It wasn't just him going and saying it. He lived it. I mean, this guy was building a boat in the middle of a desert where rain had never come and he knew that there was a flood that was coming. This was someone who was incredibly faithful. Abraham, who would choose to walk away from everything that he knew to leave his comforts of home to Simply follow the leading that God would have for him when he said, go to a place that I will show you. Abraham was faithful along the journey. Another one was Rahab, the prostitute. We think about her as one who was such an influence among the people of Israel because she protected the spies when they went into Jericho. And she was the one that was brought into the Israelite community. And she does not become known as Rahab, the prostitute among the Israelites. But rather, she becomes a woman of great integrity and honor, even having her name listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ that we find in the New Testament. That was a woman who had every reason not to be faithful, yet she chose to be faithful, and God would honor that. There are all kinds of examples of those who chose to be faithful, but there's one today that stands out probably the most to me. And it's a man named Joseph. This is the Old Testament Joseph. There is a New Testament Joseph. Remember Joseph and Mary from the New Testament? 
But today I want us to look at the Old Testament Joseph, and his story is found in Genesis chapter 39. Actually, his story is much longer than just Genesis chapter 39, but today we're going to look at it from Genesis 39. And let me give you a little bit of the backstory on Joseph while you guys turn there if you're going to look at it in your scriptures. First of all, he was born to a man named Jacob. He was one of, uh, there, and it, actually there are basically 12 sons, and you have one son who is the favorite. Isn't it always nice to know that you're the favorite? Uh, well, Joseph was clearly the favorite. If you remember from Bible school when you were a kid, uh, there was one who received the coat of many colors. His father loved him apparently more than he did everybody else. Um, Joseph, as much as he was loved by his father, was hated by his brothers. And he's actually sold into slavery. They make up this story to their father about the fact that uh, their, their brother has been killed by a wild animal. They bring him his coat of many colors that is covered in blood at this point. It was the blood of an animal. Uh, but they decided to capitalize on it. Instead of killing him, let's just sell him as a slave. We can make some money off of this guy. So they did. And he ends up down in Egypt. And he ends up in the home of a man named Potiphar, who was very wealthy. Uh, Potiphar had uh, great prosperity while Joseph was in his home. And that's kind of where I want us to begin today. In Genesis 39, 6, he is in the home of Potiphar and God has blessed him and even put him in charge of the house. Beginning in the second part of verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, has, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand. And ran out of the house. We'll talk about the rest of the story in just a few moments. But, but before I get too deep into this, I want to point out that I'm only focusing on one act of faithfulness today in Joseph's life. But there were many such acts that he would exercise. He was determined to honor God in everything that he did, regardless of the challenges that he faced. When he was home with his father Jacob, even though he knew he had brothers who hated him, Joseph was one who was faithful to honor God even then. Later on, he would find himself in a position of great authority. He would honor God in the way he lived his life. Even as a prisoner, he would honor God and even as a slave. In this passage, we are allowed to see the faithfulness of Joseph very clearly, though. He remains faithful to his God and to himself in the face of some problems that would cause many other people to fail. In the same way, many situations will arise in our daily lives that have the potential to throw us off course. The world, the flesh, and the devil will all conspire to make us quit on God. 
They will do everything in their power to cause us to drop out or to fall short of our potential. But God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to stay the course and to run the race for his glory until he calls us home. Joseph teaches us how to be faithful in spite of what we may face in this life. Consider the areas in which Joseph was faithful to the Lord. He expects no less from you and I. First of all, he was faithful in spite of temptation. Understand the context here. Verse 6 tells us that Joseph was a very handsome man, a good-looking young man. As Joseph ministered or he served in Potiphar's house, he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, and she began to flirt with him. After a short time, she becomes downright brazen about it, asking Joseph to lie with her. He refuses her advances, but she persists. And then on a certain day, it's likely she ran all the other servants off, but he comes in to do his job. And while she was in the house alone with Joseph, she came, grabbed him by his outer garment, and basically said, come and lie with me now. And Joseph ran away so fast that she's left holding his garment. Now, you got to be running pretty fast to leave your clothes behind. But he did. In this trial by fire, Joseph remained absolutely faithful, not only to the Lord, but even to his master who had entrusted him with such care. There are several features of this, of this temptation that would have made it very attractive to any young man. First of all, it was a temptation to fulfill a natural and legitimate need. The offer from Potiphar's wife was for sex, pure and simple. God made us sexual creatures and many people believe that they have the right to satisfy their own sexual desires in any fashion they choose, as if there are no boundaries and no consequences. Yet God has a different opinion. Any sexual expression that takes place outside the boundaries of marriage is either fornication or it is adultery. Either one is a sin against God against your spouse, against your future spouse, or against yourself. Either way, it has no place in the life of someone who calls themselves a child of God. Consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20, where he says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This whole series has been about the Spirit's presence in us, and faithfulness means honoring the one who dwells in us. It is choosing to be sexually pure simply because of how good God has already been to us. Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife was a response that we all should adopt when it comes to dealing with sexual sin. Run as fast as you can. I'm not telling you to leave your outer garment behind and run out naked, but I am telling you, you need to run. You need to get away from the situation. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth. 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Run, flee. Joseph was a long way from home. I told you the first reason was he had basically a temptation sitting in front of him that it was a legitimate need. But there's another reason here. Joseph was a long way from home. Some people might adopt the motto that says, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. In other words, you can do whatever you want because it's okay here in this place. Many people live like that. A salesman goes on a trip and while he's on the road, he'll do things that perhaps he would not do at home. A young person who is far away from mom and dad might do things that they would never do at home. Joseph didn't care where he was. He was determined to do the right thing. That's called faithfulness. It's not just because you got somebody in particular who's watching, but it's because it's the right way to live. It's not something you turn on and off, but rather you choose to live that way because it's right regardless of who's watching. As a teenager, I struggled with language, not as if I couldn't speak the English language, but because I cursed more often than I should. But you know what? It's interesting. I could always turn it off when I needed to. My mom has never heard me cuss in my entire life, partially because I know she would have whooped me. She, she had this thing. She could pull on your ear and I, you felt like she was ripping it off. I would have never said something like that in front of my mom. Because I knew that there were consequences. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness says that when mom's there, you don't do it. But when mom's not there, you still don't do it. That means that we, regardless of where we are or who might be present, we do not change. Joseph refused to violate the trust of his master and of his God. His family never would have known Nobody could have been there to tell. His brothers thought for sure he would have died by then. Dad thought he was dead. He had every excuse in the book to be able to say, you know what, it's not going to hurt. Who cares? Yet Joseph knew that God would know. And therefore he chose to remain faithful and pure. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. There's no way Joseph could have hid what he was doing from the Lord. Even if his dad never knew, even if his brothers never knew, God would have known. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You can fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool God because he knows what's happening in your life. There's a third reason why it would have been tempting for Joseph to act on this temptation. The odds are Potiphar's wife was probably a knockout. Egyptian women were known for physical beauty. Surely she would have appealed to the male in Joseph. Nowhere in the text does it say that he was repulsed by her. Nowhere does it suggest that she was very unattractive. Had he given in to her advances, there is no doubt he would have enjoyed it. However, Joseph, Joseph was interested more in God than he was in the flesh. It's not to say that he wasn't interested in the flesh. He was a guy. He was a young guy who was very handsome. And he knew that, you know what? 
there's all the excuse in the book for me to do this, and she's beautiful, and she wants me. Maybe we could kind of keep this just between us. This could be wonderful. Yet Joseph refused because he was more interested in pleasing his God than in pleasing himself. He was determined to be faithful to God regardless of the cost. It was a decision that he had made long before he arrived in Egypt. And it was a decision that he was determined to stand by. Joseph had drawn boundaries and we need to do the same. Then when temptation comes our way, there is no choice to be made because we have already made that decision. One of the hardest things for us to do is to make that decision for purity at the last minute. I want to challenge you this morning. I still have more that I want to say to you, but I want to challenge you this morning. Don't wait until then to decide you're going to live pure. Make that decision now so that when that temptation arises, it's not something you have to debate in your mind because you've already made that decision. You're going to live in a way that honors God, which means that you're going to keep yourself pure until you're married. And then in your marriage, you will act in a pure way so that when that temptation comes to move outside of your marriage, that decision's already been made. There's no reason for us to have to walk weighted down by sin and temptation that doesn't belong in our lives in the first place. Another aspect of this for Joseph was this came on the heels of a big promotion. What I mean is he had been in the house of Potiphar as a slave, but somewhere along the way, Potiphar realized that, man, Joseph's good and he is blessed. And when he's in charge of something, things go really, really well. So I'll tell you what, let's put, let's put Joseph in charge of the entire household. Sometimes when we're coming out of a great victory, we let our guard down and Satan knows it. So he will throw temptation at, at us. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 warns us to be careful when we think that we are standing strong. When we think everything's okay, be careful because Satan is ready and he is looking for the opportunity to attack. There's one last aspect about this. It came at a perfect time and opportunity, probably initiated by Potiphar's wife. But Potiphar's wife caught Joseph when there was no physical reason why they should not and could not commit adultery. The only thing that stopped them was Joseph's integrity. He stood his ground determined to do what was right. Often there are all sorts of excuses and reasons that we may offer up in our minds why sin is okay. But when we do that, we step away from faithfulness. Every individual in here, whether you are 12 or you are 92... You are called to live in a faithful manner and you will be tested in that. But you must make that choice now that you will walk in a way that honors God. And as you do, God will bless you and give you the opportunity to walk in victory. The main reason that Joseph was able to stay faithful was because he saw sin for what it really was. He did not see it as a few moments of pleasure. He didn't see it as his right he didn't see it as even an option. Joseph saw sin as an affront to the Almighty God. If you want to successfully navigate the troubled waters of temptation, then learn to see sin for what it really is. It's not a mistake. It's wickedness. 
It's not just an affair, it's adultery. It's not in an alternate lifestyle, it's an abomination. It's not a slip of the tongue, it's blasphemy. Sin is a shame in any life, but especially in the life of a believer. Joseph was faithful in spite of temptations. And I don't know about you, but I want to finish well like Joseph did. I want to be able to say what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We cannot do that if we do not remain faithful now. I look forward to that day when I'm able to say that, but I've still got a long way to go. And it's important that I walk in faithfulness now, but it's not just me because I'm the pastor, but it's you because you're a child of God. We must be faithful to the Lord. And as we are, he will bless us and he will work mightily in our lives. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to suggest uh, I have a couple individuals who are going to be baptized. And I'm going to ask you guys, if y'all want to go and get ready, you guys already know where to go because I showed y'all yesterday. But I want to address you guys as a congregation for a moment while they are preparing for baptism. We talk about faithfulness this morning. And as we look at faithfulness, first of all, I want to thank you for the model of faithfulness many of you have already been, even to these young men, as they have seen what it is to walk after Jesus Christ. But I want to challenge you incredibly clearly here, that must continue. I was in a uh, small group on Friday, and one of the young men shared something that I want to share with you. He was recently watching a video by a man named Francis Chan. And Francis Chan is a brilliant speaker, incredibly intelligent individual. But he gave an illustration about a, a young man who had begun to attend his church. He was attending faithfully, and he was getting involved, and he decided he wanted to be baptized. This young man had been in a gang for years, and this was a huge step for him to now become a part of the body of Christ and to want to be identified. He was baptized, and about a month or so later, he began to miss church. So Mr. Chan went to this young man. He wanted to know what happened. You were so faithful, and it seems as if all of a sudden you've kind of disappeared. You're not really coming regularly anymore. He said, well, the truth is, pastor, the church kind of let me down. He said, well, in what way? And he began to explain, there wasn't as if there was someone who had done something immoral. It wasn't as if there was someone who had been rude to him when he came in. They saw all the tattoos and said, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be here as someone who looks like, that's not, it was nothing like that. He said, when I decided to join a gang, I had to be jumped in. Now, basically, that means he was beat senseless until they eventually said, okay, now that's enough, you're in. But he said, after that moment of joining into the gang, he said, I became a part of the family. They invested in me. They loved me. When I was baptized, I wasn't expecting to be beat in, but I was expecting to be loved in that way. He said, I didn't know that in the Christian church that just meant Sunday and Wednesday. I want to challenge you as a church. These young men are about to be baptized. That doesn't mean that you pray for them and you connect with them on Sunday and Wednesday. But they are part of the family of God and they need us as a church to love them, to encourage them, to be with them, to model for them what it is to be a child of God. 
They need us to do that. So they're going to be baptized. And I need you guys to participate in it this morning. It starts here, but it will carry on beyond that, specifically you guys fulfilling that. This is where it starts now, though. I'm going to ask them three questions. The first question is simply, have you asked Jesus to forgive you of their sins? They have to answer yes with that. If they don't, we won't baptize them. Second one's very simple. Do you plan to live for Jesus Christ for the rest of your life? Again, they have to answer yes or we won't baptize them. The third question they can say no to, and it's simply, is there anything else you'd like to share? And I'll give them the opportunity if they would like to share a testimony of how they came to Christ or anything like that. I'll then pray over them. I will baptize them. And when they come out of the water, I need to hear you guys celebrate with them. We're told that when one sinner repents, that there is great rejoicing in heaven over that which was lost now being saved. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't hear any angels rejoicing. I didn't hear any shouting. I didn't hear any music, no harps or anything like that. It was just kind of, I got saved and I knew that I was different. I knew that I had been redeemed. I want you to give these young men a glimpse of what it was like. When they said, Lord, forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit. You give them the opportunity to truly understand how thrilled God is that they are now a part of his heavenly family. We're going to have a word of prayer and then I'm going to ask if Anna and Melody will come back up and they're going to share again. I want to challenge you as we pray first that you be faithful. These two young men will be looking at you. But maybe it's not just them. Maybe it's the young lady that's sitting right there. Maybe it's the kids that are up here in the row, back row. There are people that are watching you and they need to see your faithfulness. You be faithful to God. If you would bow your heads with me. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you that you have always been faithful to us. I pray now that you would have your way in us as we worship you, as we celebrate your goodness and grace. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to truly be the men and women that you've called us to be. But there are temptations that are waiting for us right now. Give us the strength to stand up and to stand for you. Help us not to give in but rather in this place, in this moment, help us to decide to walk in purity so that there will come a day where we will be able to stand and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Well, we want to be faithful children of God now so that we can say that then. Lord, may you be honored in us as we model Christ for others. In your name we pray. Amen.